0: Hey, welcome to another episode, episode number 96
1: nine six, man, of the Daily wow. Bible Podcast. Wow. Happy birthday, almost. 96. We're almost centurions. Almost centurions. Hey, do you have a Bible verse that corresponds to 9-6 that we could use in, in honor of this momentous occasion? I don't. I, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't talk about this before the podcast. No, we didn't. So. I was just trying to see if the, the
0: Bible memory in your brain just pops something up <laughs> I, 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 Strangely enough... Whatever verse ninety six does not stick in my my brain. You're looking one up though. I- I'm gonna I- randomly oh, no. just pick one here. Oh no, and this is where we don't get an no- episode ninety seven. Okay, here here we this go. This is it. I hope you guys do, enjoyed it.
1: Uh, okay, give me a give me a book of the Bible. Pick any book of the Bible. Jude. Jude. Okay. No, there's not nine chapters <laughs> in Jude. <laughs> give me another book of the Bible that has at least nine chapters. Uh Ezekiel. Okay. Ezekiel nine, this verse. Is how six. Bad
0: church plant start. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Easy kill nine six. Kill old men outright. (laughs) Young men and maidens, little children and women. But touch none, no one on whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary.
0: Oh man, hopefully you guys all (laughs) have the mark. (laughs) Oh boy. That was so perfect. Oh good. And unplanned. That was good. Oh man. Well if you're still with us, we're glad. We're not gonna kill you <laughs> no, we're not gonna kill you. we're not gonna kill you or mark you with anything oh okay psalm one forty five one forty six and one forty seven let's get into uh the text for today all right psalm one forty five great song in fact, Shane and Shane, we've talked about them recently Love that song. The they've Lord
1: gotten, is so good so good
0: yeah so so good. there's your homework coming out of the podcast, go look up psalm one forty five by Shane and Shane and listen to it um The acoustic versions are the best versions of that song, if you ask me. So crispy. But uh, we've talked about this before, but look at verse four. One generation shall commend your works to another. And I just want to ask us, is this happening? Are we doing this, church? Because we need to be doing this. We've we've talked about it. It's important. Commend the works of God to the, the future generations. We talked about that last episode. That's why we put so much weight into our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, our youth ministry, because... We want to do this. We want to commend the works of God to them. And not just the works that are in the scriptures, but also the works of of our own testimonies, how God has worked in our own lives, the things that he's done in your family's life. Commend the greatness of God to the future generations so that they will one day follow him. Um, They shall speak of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and single out of your righteousness. So make sure we're doing that.
1: Amen. And please make it a priority too. I mean, if, if in your families. Uh, if your time is being threatened by lots of extracurricular activities, be sure that, if anything, you prioritize this. It's so important. Yeah. Don't expect your kids
0: to be well formed disciples if you haven't put in the work. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Amen. 100% to that. Yeah. I mean, how many times? Uh, yeah. Well, never mind. We'll keep going. Psalm 146. Psalm 146 is a a great psalm, especially for election seasons, which uh, we're heading straight into over this next year because of versus several years, three and four election season lasts basically the whole four years. It's it's just everything. It's It's the the whole life, especially now with social media. 146, three and four, put not your trust in princes, in sons, in a, a son of a man in whom there's no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day, his plans perish. Look. Vote according to your conscience vote according to Christian convictions 100% all day long, but do not put all of your eggs in the basket of a politician And, and this was true for Israel. Don't don't hope in the next great king. Don't look for the next Davidic king or a king like Solomon or somebody like that aside from the ultimate Davidic king who's Jesus And that's the point here. The Lord is the one. He's the one. And this is the contrast here that he sets up. The Lord is the one who sets prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Human princes fade away. Presidents fade away. The Lord reigns forever. He's our hope and our confidence. What a cool contrast from the
1: impotence of a human leader versus the omnipotence of God as leader. And that's
0: kind of what we're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again we're not saying politics is bad or you shouldn't care or anything like that. That's not our message. Our message is just, that's not our hope. That's not what we're trusting in. Psalm 147, then praise the Lord again. Hallelujah. Right? The hallel. Uh, offering there at the beginning, praise the Lord. It's good to sing praises. He heals the brokenhearted. Verse three and binds up their wounds. I like that picture there, um, the, the metaphorical picture here of God cares about not just the physical problems but even the emotional problems. The brokenhearted. God is the one that's going to heal the broken hearts. God is the one that's going to wipe away every tear ultimately from our eyes. God is the one that, that cares about us to that level and to that decree that degree. Um, and so that's a, that's a great comfort for us and. This whole psalm is so good because the psalmist gives a vast array of reasons why to thank and praise the Lord. Dude, it blew my mind. I've read this
1: before, but it blew my mind. Verse four, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Bro, do you know how many stars there are? Yep. Like just a, nope. an absurd, I amount, mean, right. <laughs> I can't even like your brain cannot fathom the amount of stars that are estimated to be in our known universe and even the unknown as it continues to expand. Right. I just think, why would God do that? Like there's, who's going to know the name of the star? I mean, the one at the very end of our, our known universe, like, oh, that's John. That's right. the star John. Who's going to know that? Right. And God knows that. And, and I I just, I sat and chewed on this for a few minutes just thinking, man, the fact that God knows All of these things. He can't not know anything. But this is more than just God knows because he's God. There's an intimate knowledge and meticulous attention to detail as the uh, faith, Faith Life Study Bible says it where it's just an exercise of his glory, his grandeur, his power, his majesty. Who would not see a God like this and want to worship and give him thanks? And certainly, if he cares about all the stars, he cares about us, man. Yep. He knows the stars. He knows the hairs on your head, the eyelash that fell out of your eye yesterday. God knew that, that eyelash, and he, he understands that.
0: Yep. What a cool perspective on the glory and majesty of God. Yeah, read that, then go back and read Psalm 139 for that very point, right? He knows the universe to that level of detail and he knows you to that level of so detail. So cool. Yeah. So you're saying for all the guys that are listening that fell prey to that whole like, name your name a star after your wife and, and if you forgot her, you're saying that they don't, like that's not true i mean i think i think god might be like okay yeah son sure like <laughs> they're not gonna get to heaven and be like oh look there's timmy the star and he's going. no be like, nope. i already named that one yeah it's not that that's uh for herbert yes we're cessationists here so whatever you just heard come out of pastor rod's mouth is not uh endorsed uh, right.
1: the tongues of angels that's the one
0: okay first corinthians 11 You've been waiting your whole life for this
1: podcast. Here it is. I'm just going to pause. I'm going to mute my mic and let Pastor PJ take this one away.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. That's so, that's, so, uh, that's so kind of you. I defer. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 15. I'll do verse one. Be imitators <laughs> of me as I am of Christ.
1: What Paul wants you to see here is that it's good to follow godly leadership. All right. Now back to you, Pastor
0: PJ. Okay. Speaking of leadership, (laughs) what takes up Paul's attention in verses two through 15 is the issue of head coverings and praying and prophesying and the relationship of women and men, specifically, most likely husbands and wives here. And so... The, the summation is this. God desires order and authority in the church, uh, though not to the level that one would think someone else in the church is unimportant or unnecessary. So Paul is arguing two things here. He's arguing that there are structures of order and authority, not just in the church, but also in the home. However, that does not bleed over into some sense of of superiority of personhood uh, from the source of authority or the the point of authority to the one being, having the authority exercised over them. So what we're talking about here is men and women, and we're talking about the idea of head coverings within the church. And it seems likely that for men, they, at at this time, there's, there's a lot of speculation involved in this passage because there's a lot of cultural issues at play in this passage. And there's not a lot written firsthand where we would understand all of the cultural ins and outs of what's going on here, but we can make some pretty safe conclusions, draw some pretty safe conclusions based on, What we do know. For example, it was probably common practice during this time for those in pagan cults to go in and pray with their heads covered, the men, to wear head coverings, to wear headdresses, ornate things like that. So for them, that may be part of of what Paul's arguing against here for the men, where he's saying, don't pray with your head covered, i.e., as the pagans do, because that would be an act of shame to you. Shame and honor. Not something so much at work here in our culture, although I'll say this, coming here back here to Texas, there's a, a, something that I appreciate, and that's my boys are growing up learning to say yes, sir, and, and yes, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, ma'am, right? Because there's a respect, honor, authority element there that's, that's shame, honor-oriented, but by and large, we just don't care about that as much as some of the Middle Eastern and, and Far Eastern countries do still today, but this was an honor-shame culture. So it was a shameful thing for a man, to, a man to go into the house of worship, to the to the church, and to pray with his head covered for whatever reason, whether that was connected to idol worship or not. Women, on the other hand, were instructed to go in and have their head covered. And the reason being there is to have her head uncovered, especially in a public format or a public setting, would be to communicate a a promiscuity to communicate something about this woman as far as either her availability or uh, perhaps that she was a, a cult prostitute or something along those lines. Again, they're, they're dipping into the cultural timeframes here and they're saying this is, is something that, that the the world does. We need to be different from the world in this respect. And so it was a sign of dishonor for the woman's husband for her to go in with her head uncovered, but it w- because it was communicating that she was not under the authority of her husband in this context there. So you've got the husband and you've got the wife. There's questions. Does this apply only to marriage or outside marriage as well? And this is beyond the scope of the, the time frame that we've got necessarily on our podcast. But the, the, the issue at work here is the issue of headship. It's the Greek word kephale, which means we're translating it as authority, that the, the husband is the authority of the wife as Christ is the authority of the husband as God is the authority over Christ. Now that's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. God, the authority over Christ. What does that mean? Well, what are we talking about here? One helpful commentary I read was Tom Schreiner's commentary who said that it's it's intentional by Paul that he uses the word Christ or Messiah here because that was most likely a, a reference to the earthly ministry of Jesus, mm. that he doesn't use the name Jesus, but the, uses the name Messiah. Well, when Christ was here position, on earth, yeah. right, he was functionally subordinate during his earthly ministry to the Father. And so the Father was his head in that sense as the son willingly subjected himself to the will of the father which we're going to read a lot about in John as we're studying through the gospel of John mm-hmm. and so the, the father was the head the point of authority for Christ Christ is the head of the husband the, head is, the husband is the head of the wife that then begs the question okay So then does that mean women aren't as good as men or men are somehow superior in some form or fashion? And that's what he answers by going on to say in verse 11, the woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman for woman was made from man. So now man is born of a woman. So he's saying this is not an issue of one being a better image bearer of God than the other. They're both image bearers, but have different roles and different functions within the church. And there needs to be, to go back to my opening point there, some order and authority within the church. And God has designed it in such a way to operate this way. So today, ladies, do you need to wear a hat when you go to church? No, because why? Because there's different cultural stipulations here. But but the principle that's undergirding all of this is the husband's authority over a wife is that still in practice? Yes. How can I argue that? Well, look at what Paul connects the the authority to. He goes back to the creation, v- verse 8. Man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So Paul transcends cultural norms as he so often does in dealing with this issue, and he goes all the way back to creation to say this is a created principle that God put in place. So the the authority structure is is the transcendent principle at work here. What that looks like practically week in and week out in the, the context of the family, that may change with culture to culture as trends come and go. You're such a misogynist, but I have a couple follow-up questions.
1: <laughs> Just that was a joke. I, was, I didn't think you're really a woman hater. I, no, I
0: figured, I figured as much.
1: <laughs> okay, so... Clearly, this text would be problematic for someone who's like, oh, in fact, we have Christian brothers and sisters who, particularly our sisters, uh, of, some, of some Christian traditions where they still today wear a head covering. So, is 1 Corinthians 11 still binding on a woman today? Should she be wearing a head covering? Why or why not?
0: I, From a pastoral point of authority? No. No. Because culture has changed, right? right? It's not the same symbolism that's taking place there where if a woman walks into our church, as, as most all of our women, I think, do in our church, walks in without a head covering on, nobody's going to look at her and think that she's a promiscuous woman communicating that she's available somehow. Right. However, if you're in a marriage and your husband is saying to you as the wife, hey, you know, what? I'd, I'd like you to wear a head covering in the church, is he asking you to sin? Right? I think that's an important stipulation, an important question. And if not, then I think we would go to Ephesians 5 and say that, that the wife's role is to submit to her husband's leadership in this. Now, I'm not saying that there's not room for conversations to, to take place within the context maybe of a, a, a pastoral counseling situation if it gets to that point. But I think there is there is a submissiveness to to leadership that, that is a godly submissive, submissiveness. Because remember, ladies, you're submitting not to your husband as much as you are to the Lord. That's what Paul writes in Ephesians five wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And so that, that's why that's, I, I think a, a two edged question there to, to answer that. Is it a, is it a requirement? The act of wearing a head covering is not a biblical requirement. No today, based on the cultural understanding of what's going on in this text. However, there may be a situation wherein there are things that aren't specific biblical requirements that a husband is asking his wife to do that the wife's godly obligation and role is to submit to her husband should the husband not be asking her to sin in doing that.
1: So perhaps one of the best analogies today, maybe wouldn't be a head covering, but a wedding ring. If a woman were to come and she's not wearing her wedding ring, that would suggest she's not under the authority. Authority. She's not, uh, perhaps she's not, uh, she's not married even. Uh, People would question if a married woman came in without one of those, they'd be like, where's your wedding ring? They would would notice it, be conspicuously absent. And perhaps that's that's the best analogy we have in 2023, where we have a a similar function there. Let me ask another question based on verse 7. In what way do we understand man being the image and glory of God, but woman, the glory of man? I thought both men and women were made in the image and glory of God. Uh, but it seems here that Paul is making a different point. He's saying, man is the image and glory of God. Woman is the glory of man. And he's tying that into the hair situation. I think you kind of hinted at it already, but could you help it be
0: more explicit? What do you, what do you think he means by this? It, it, it goes back to, I think, and admittedly this is one of the more difficult passages oh, in this yes it is. this text. So I appreciate you My pleasure. Yeah, thanks man. <laughs> I, I do think it goes back to the created order again that right. there's the the role that God has given in a trusted demand to say you are here as uh, as uh, uh, to to be my representative to be my image bearer women are as well however the woman was provided to the man and given to the man as, as his help right um which is the the word that's used there in the hebrew um easier is the the idea of of being a helpmeet, and she's given to the man to be that compliment complementary, which is why we are complementarians uh, that complementary um component to his ability to carry out his role as an image bearer of god she does so as well but she does so in her role as the the husband's help so
1: woman then and, and or a wife in particular actually uh, a wife is the glory of a man in that she in many ways she it's not like she's a trophy wife but that she presents to a lot of people the glory of her husband she represents him and so is it is it god saying then hey uh, in and the congregation only God should get glory. So we're going to cover the the man's glory. The woman cover her head, in order that God be the primary focal point. I heard something like that said. Would you agree with that? Disagree? Is that? Are you tracking with what that what I even said?
0: Yes. Yeah. I. I. The concept of God getting all the glory. But again, I. I think this is so tied to cultural rules and regulations and stipulations that to draw any overarching. Principle that would be at work today is, is difficult to do yeah. um, because again, we're not requiring we're not passing out hats when our <laughs> ladies walk into church going, hey, you need to put this on unless it's
1: just some of our swag, right? In which case then we are passing out hats, <laughs> right? Verse 10. Tell me about the angels. What on earth? How do angels even factor in? They just jump in out of nowhere. This is why, or that is why a wife ought to wear a symbol of authority or have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Yeah.
0: And this, again, again, this is like the stickiest wicked of a passage in the whole world. Dude, are (laughs) angels in our church? Well, and, and that's what some commentators would say. And yeah. at least it, there's, there's uh, an understanding things of which angels long to look, right? As Peter talks about, yeah, they're, they're paying attention. Yeah, they're, they're watching, they're paying attention. And so there's the some church. that would say, yeah, they're, they're there. They're observing the worship services and that this was something that was causing them to stumble. It, and and to to not be able to to understand okay this is not part of god's perfect design and the angels surely as those in the very presence of god had an understanding i think of, of god's design for creation and watching it be undone or watching it be uh, thwarted and yet worship still be offered at the same time it would have been this perplexing oxymoron for the angels that who potentially could or could not be observing what's going on within the church so is this in any way tied to genesis 6 is this the sons
1: of god and angelic hosts <laughs> looking at this and saying oh man she's available is it something like that i don't know that i'd push it that far okay i but, can't get there okay well it's just an option i, it's I did read option. that i did it's read that option. so that's why i threw it out there yeah. okay last question i think for now verse 14 if a guy has long hair Paul argues. He says, "Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it's her glory." Yeah. So today, 2023, uh, the popular styles for boys right now are pretty long hair, mullets. Yeah, mullets. Party in the front, the flow, or party in the back, business in the front.
0: So, party in the front, business in the back would be a horrible (laughs) haircut. Would be a horrible, (laughs) just hair all down in the face.
1: (laughs) That'd be fun. Okay, so is it bad then should I should I should I cut everyone's hair at church? Should I bring a razor with me on Sunday yes. and anyone who has longer than a yes. one get ready. Do we cut their hair off? We're why or why not? Some of you.
0: No, I again, a lot of this is cultural. Um, you'll find some that will press this all the way, right? And say, "And this is why, you know, the hippie movement and the long hair and you had some that were high and tight that were like, "Oh, you know." Rah, rah, rah. It, there is something, though, about the fact that, by and large, in cultures, and you guys are going to argue the samurais and the top knots and the man buns. What? I'm not. <laughs> Generally speaking, consider the Nazarites, right? What made the Nazarites unique? One of the things that made a Nazarite stand out as a Nazarite was he didn't cut his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so by and large, culturally speaking, throughout the, the the world history, it has been a sign of masculinity to cut your hair, to have a shorter haircut. And for women, vice with versa. Rare exceptions. With rare exceptions, right? And for women, vice versa, it's been largely the norm to have longer hair. It's a sign of beauty, right? And that's part of God's design. It's part of how he created women as good different thing. and distinct, right? It's different, yeah. And so I, I think that's what Paul's after here, is he's saying let's look at the the general principles of God's design and God's order. And that's his purpose in this whole passage in first Corinthians 11 is God desires order and structure in what, what all is going on here. And let's pay attention to that and let's make sure that we're honoring those things and not thwarting them or flaunting uh, intentional disobedience against God in those ways. So yeah, if you've got long hair and you're a guy, no, you don't have to cut it as long as your heart is not to intentionally throw your fist in the face of God and say, ah, look, I'm growing my hair out because this is what girls do right
1: okay last question you rapid said that liar real last question okay though. i'm a woman and i just read this and i'm super offended by this i'm I, i'm i'm
0: struggling with what i just read yeah help me out yeah look uh we are also bound as husbands to love our wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right and that's the standard that we hope to hit as godly husbands and want to hold our men to as well and so ladies look that the, the God's design for this is such that if your husband is pursuing the Lord and loving the Lord the way he should be it's not a burden for you to have him as the authority over your life but it's actually a gift of God for him to, to be in that role over your life he is going to be caring for you he's going to be protecting you and his job ladies Ephesians 5 is to make you more like Jesus as a result of his love for you and his marriage to you than you would be if you weren't married to him so the the husband ultimately at the end of the day will answer for the, for the way that he loved you and led you before the Lord ladies you you will ultimately answer for the way that you submitted to your husband, and that's Paul's point in Ephesians five: submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So, ladies, if you're struggling with this, if you're frustrated with this, maybe you, you you're in a marriage where your husband's not leading you well. Let that Ephesians five passage give you encouragement. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, so that you can know that in submitting to him and his leadership, so long as he's not asking you to sin, you are obeying God, and that is a delightful thing in the eyes of God. And you are storing up reward for yourself in heaven that you will reap in eternity when you are there with him. That's right. And so, yeah. It's, it's it's not, we don't take this lightly. We don't treat it flippantly. This is not the misogynistic redneck passage that, that we all wave and, and say, yes, this is a, a, a heavy thing, men. You guys listening, this is a heavy thing for you to have this role in the lives of your wives. And so we need to take it seriously. That's right. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Any more nine sixes? Do we want to do one more nine six just to, to, to wrap up the podcast? Since right. This is episode 96. Go ahead give me another book of the bible let's do um let's do jeremiah 9 6 with the prophets huh you just really like those prophets we'll go new testament okay fine we'll go new testament okay let's go luke 9 6 okay
1: that sounds fun let's see what that is and they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere boom so have a great day depart go preach the gospels and heal everywhere. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> heal no no no. Preach the gospel, heal everywhere, everybody. Go for it. Pastor right. PJ said hey. And we'll catch you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See ya.